Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us with the Stewardship Leader Podcast. My name is Leo Saber, and I'll be your host for today's conversation. With me today is my friend George Thompson. George is a stewardship pastor at Faithful Central Bible Church in the Los Angeles, California area, and he has been in this space for quite a while, so I'm looking forward to our conversation today and really want him to really share his journey and how he's jumped into the stewardship industry. And I know that you, our listeners, will really benefit from George's insight. George, welcome. Glad to have you on the podcast today. I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much, Leo. And it is just an honor to be able to serve. Awesome. Well, you and I have known each other for a while, so let's just have a conversation about how did you get into the stewardship ministry uh, in the church? I mean, this is probably not what you thought about as you were going to college and starting your career. But here you are. So let's hear that story. How did you get into this ministry? That's a very good question. Also, I was asked this question actually uh, yesterday. And what, one of the things that how I got into this, um, into stewardship was I started seeing not only at churches, but also in the community, the way finances is taught. Mm. And I started seeing and I started, then I started um, reading in the Bible. And uh, Bishop Almer is the senior pastor at Faithful Central Bible Church. And he, he taught a seminar called getting out of the demons of debt. And he started breaking down biblically about how debt works. I said, I've never heard this before. And then I said, what's a practical application for that? So then what I started doing was studying the Bible and then also just studying how the world works and then finding out like, hey, how do we help people? Because if you look around in the community, there are people that were you know, struggling with their finances or just in debt their whole life or just unable to buy a home or unable to do certain things and not do what the what all of God's will. So one of the things that I started doing was I started teaching a class where I would just hand out flyers, I'd say, um, at another church, and that was actually called uh, West Angeles Church of God in Christ with Bishop Blake. And mm-hmm. when I started teaching, uh, and then I started teaching a class, I said, hey, I'm going to show everybody how to be financially successful in one night. I said, everybody just do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I explained it biblically. And then everyone said, I'm in debt. And I said, okay, well, it's going to be two nights. <laughs> then someone said, hey, I have a credit issue. I said, okay, it's going to be three nights. And then eventually it evolved into the first book that I wrote, which is called Millionaires and Train, where I actually taught, it was like a six-week course on how people could manage their finances God's way. Hmm. And it was built on understanding how the system works. There are three economic systems that work in our world at all times. The first is God's system. That is built on giving and receiving. God gives, we receive. And the second is the world system. Unfortunately, the world system is built on borrowing and lending. As you know, I owe, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. And the third system is how you manage your own personal finances. So I hadn't seen, Leo, where someone had helped someone in all three areas. Hmm. Like, hey, how how does giving and receiving work? So you understand about how to tithe, how to give, and just activating that in your life. And then the second area is how to operate in the world system. We can talk all, we can talk about scripture, but then, but hey, how much mortgage should I get? And then also, as you know, we live in, I live in California, so that's a big part of people's paychecks or that you have to have some plan for that uh, in in doing that. If not rent prices here, I guess you see are rising. There's just different areas where they need to manage that. The third area 
is your own personal finances. If you walk up to someone and say, hey, how's the economy going? You know what answer they're gonna give you? How they're doing. If they're invested in the stock market and the market's doing good, they're good. If they're invested in real estate, they're, but if they're not, they're not. If they don't have a job, the economy's bad. So right. you understand, so you have to be able to manage right. all those. So I started that um, system and program and I've been doing this for about 20 years about helping people be able to manage and operate in all three of those areas. Well, that's great. So obviously you had a draw toward this from your pastor influencing you and encouraging you on this path. So let's call that your kind of your initiation into this space. And then you saw a need and you began to fill that need. How did you make the transition, though, from just teaching on personal finance, which obviously was a passion of yours, to actually do that in a church setting? Oh, that's, that's, that's a really good question. <laughs> I actually started in churches. Oh, okay. I started actually teaching in churches before I started uh, ever working. Like now I work in the financial industry. Like in other words, like I own an investment firm and doing things, but they actually came there and got me. They saw how I was teaching and I was saying, this is actually how you do it. So I actually started in churches. Okay. Like I start, that's how I started. Like I, like during, they would have a, Bible study and I would stand up and I would say, and I would, we take a text we're a Bible church. So I would say, you know, I start in Genesis and I would, and I would just start telling biblical scriptures about that. And then after about, uh, after a period of time, then I'd say, well, here's some practical applications of how you make them. That's how I make the Bible come alive is we sit down and we look at a, we look at a story in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's the talents, you know, where people are given talents like, Hey, but how do you do that today? Yeah, practically. In the, Bible, right, in the Bible, they had livestock. Mm -hmm. Now you buy stock. You know, it's like a little different. Right, right. So, um, you know, and, and so I started, I started actually in the, in the church and in helping people. That's great. So how did you make your way on staff at Faith Central Bible Church? Yeah, so how I got to Faith Central, this is really good. I used to um, travel around the country. So I would do on average... Um, over 150 speaking engagements a year. I used to travel with this, mm. this book. I, it was called Millionaires in Training. I traveled all over the country and I worked also with a lot of community-based organizations. So I would go somewhere, let's say at one o'clock and do a 401k or retirement plan. And then at night I'd be at a church. Mm -hmm. So I actually met Bishop Palmer in, in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas. And then I started meeting him and a couple of us and we kept, I kept seeing him in Dallas. And then one day I told him, I said, you know, I actually live in Los Angeles, like really, he goes, really, I want you to come by and teach on a Wednesday night. And then he said, I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks. Can you do the midweek service? I did it. And I guess I got a good response. I guess so. He asked me, he asked me what I was going to do. And then um, I was um, turning and one of the goals I had set was I wanted to be able to do this and retire by the time I was age 35. I said, I'm going to stop. I don't want to work in corporate. I want to come and do this mm -hmm. and, and, and help people with their, um, finances biblically. Mm -hmm. and then he, um, and then in 2005, I started. So, um, yeah, so it's been, so a, he offered, he offered you the opportunity to do it. Yes. I was a minister before, so I've been in 20 years, but now, and then I became a, and then a, a pastor, but then he explained the differences between a minister and a pastor. <laughs> you know, but also the parts that come with that, so it, yeah. you know, as well that I do weddings and you know, there's different things. And then also it's very interesting is that a lot of the weddings I do now, it's funny. They're, they're biased now, I think just because of, the people yeah, who you are. In other words, like you see how like at, at weddings, how they, you know, everyone has that registry and they give out gifts, you get how you get all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The last couple that I've done, the people take a house and put it right out there on the dance floor. And they say, 
we're actually saving for a down payment to buy a home. If you want to contribute, you're like, and then, and then say, and I'll come up, then I'll pray over it, just like I do when you get a home. So it's like, that's cool. It's changed. It's, so those are the type of people that, that's the type of person who say, hey, can you, couple, can you uh, do our wedding? Would be someone that would be steward people that come to our classes or in doing it. Yeah, somebody who's familiar with the message and obviously believes in it. That's that's great. I think that's such a important thing to actually hit on, especially uh, as as they start their life out together. So good for you. It sounds like you've had some really great impact at your church. You, obviously, you've been there for a while, and you have probably ministered to probably thousands of people so far in the last you know 14, 15 years that you've been there. And of course, before that, you've been doing this. So you've been doing this a long time. So I'm sure you're 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 well versed on what you're teaching, how you're doing it. So now you step into this role at uh, Faith Central Bible in Los Angeles in 2005. What are your initial thoughts about the ministry? Were you already kind of serving that ministry, and it was just a matter of making official, or was there building to do? Was there something that you had to say, okay, now that that I'm officially on staff, let me build this thing out? And if that was the case, what were your initial thoughts? What were some of the models that you were following or potentially looking at in order to build it? And how did you start it? Gotcha. Great question. So I didn't look at anybody's model because I thought I was the only stewardship pastor in the country. <laughs> and I, I, I thought that, as, you, as I've told you before, yeah. until, <laughs> until I met Gunnar Johnson. But I'll come to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert Morris let me know that I wasn't because I told him, I said, yeah, you know, when Bishop explained what I do. So when I came initially, and I was a stewardship pastor, I'm going to, the only way I can describe it is I was very one dimensional. Mm -hmm. I only talked to you about stewardship in the area of finances. Right. I never dealt with the whole life issue. So then people would say, I would call, then one time I called, we called all the members to thank them for giving and different things. And when mm -hmm. we call people, they'd say, oh, I, I paid my tithes or I did this. Like if, or they would only talk to me. They say, oh, I don't need to come to your classes. I'm not in trouble. I don't have financial needs, so I don't need to talk to George. I'm fine right now. Right. And then I then it evolved into like the beginning stages of what I do now. Like now, when we talk to people, it is hi. We're your we're. I'm going to use another coach. Where it's it's time, as you know, there's eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in a day, and we want people to manage that in a way that's pleasing to God. Right. And then there's a talent. Everyone has a skill. Everyone has a spiritual gift. And then everyone has uh, treasure, is finances, and how they manage it. So now we deal with a whole life issue, and we train people to do what I'm doing. Mm. Now I'm asked. Um, actually, there's, there's. Um, I go next week. There's several churches I go to, and the first thing I do is I'll say, "We have a person here that wants to learn stewardship," and they're like, "Why?" Are, you know, and then I'll say, "Wait a minute, I want to meet that person. Mm -hmm. I want to have that person where I just come and check in with this person." And you have that person. So I'll speak. And then I, and then halfway through or somewhere through, I want you to meet with the person and then start training them about all of the things that are about stewardship and equipping them. That's one of the big benefits of CSN, the Christian Stewardship Network. I told you earlier, I thought I was the only stewardship pastor. I was a little hurt when I first found out I wasn't. <laughs> but I just didn't, I never, I never asked any anybody. And and Robert Morris. This is when um, Faithful Central, when we were in the forum, you know, where the Lakers used to play, we were mm -hmm. in the forum, and Robert Morris preached, and then he saw me do the offering, and I was encouraged, you know, during the offering, and I was talking, and then he went, and then at the end, he just looked at me and goes, you know, I have a guy at our church that does what you do. And I mm -hmm. said, really? 
So what's his name? He says, his name is Gunnar Johnson. And then that's how I flew out and that's how I met you. And so yeah. obviously you know how we, how I started um, um, flying out there and meeting and then we became like a, a group of community so we can, we can work together and, and doing it. And then there's so many aspects where we can share and that helped me do what I'm able to do now. And uh, that's why it's so important to sew back in. Yeah, so I, I love I love when I think about back in the early 2000s, 2002, 2003 is when I came into the space uh, of beginning to actually teach on stewardship. And I think about the same time, I know that maybe a couple of years prior to that, right around the year 2000 is when CSN began to form. It was very informal at the beginning and then eventually became a, a nonprofit organization incorporated in all of that. But there was these grassroots level that were happening, I think, across the country right there between 2000 and 2005 or six, where a lot of us were coming into this knowledge of, hey, I think God is calling us to do this full time. And some of us are already doing it. I mean, I had started focusing on finances and personal finances in the mid 1990s. So for me, it wasn't new, at least not the practical side. The biblical, I, I needed some training on, to be honest. And God was gracious enough to help give me that time to train before being called into full-time ministry. But I love thinking about how God had used that time to really stir hearts. He was stirring your heart way before that. Gunnar Johnson in Florida, in Texas, and so many different others that I know have come into that into this space of being a stewardship leader at a church full-time or serving in a full-time role uh, at a church as a stewardship pastor. I think God was doing that. And I do feel, George, right now that, that God is doing that again. I feel like there's a fresh wind uh, of stewardship leaders emerging, and it's almost like the next generation. You, you and I are getting a little bit older in age. Uh, I'm way ahead of you, I think. But, but there's a new group. There's the millennials, the, you know, the 20s and 30s that are coming into the space. And I'm excited about that because it just means that this whole movement and this whole knowledge of be, what it means to be a steward is going to continue to grow in the church, and that's going to have a huge impact in the church. So excited that you're in this space, excited that you got into it uh, as you did, and that your pastor actually saw this gift in you. I think that's really important for a senior leader to see that, that there are people in their congregation that are ready to step into these roles. They just need to open up the door and say, hey, we want to do this, and I think they're going to see people lining up to do it. So it's exciting to, to see that. And it's a very important point that you brought up, though, about how there's a new group coming into this. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, I applaud it. And that's what we should be doing is having right. not, not right. only new groups, but even more people. We want to have more people involved because that's why if you look at evolving, one of the things that that I, one of the things I embrace in learning is just change. We have to change the way the way that we did classes. Let me give you an example. Like before, we can do classes like how to do a budget, but no one comes to those. We kind of mix now real estate classes but if we make it a four-week class a four-part class and then we'll have to do the budgeting and the debt part first because you can't get to the house without that we have right. to find the goal like the method that we use are different and in speaking to people and it creates it creates a great opportunity so so uh, i'm glad you brought that up yeah i also think that if we don't change the way we approach and teach on the subject then we're missing the fact that there are different I mean, a different generation hears things differently. You look at millennials today, and we just recently did a Stewardship Insight uh, podcast talking about reaching and equipping this next generation and really seeing the, the impact that these new uh, leaders emerging uh, in that are you know next gen. I mean, they are the next generation that are going to take this message forward. And if we're not able to tailor our message in such a way that it's attractive to them, that we're not, you know, we become aware, how are they... 
how are they motivated? Uh, what are they, uh, where are they going? How do we get to them? How do we make this message attractive to them? And if we don't do that, then we miss it. We miss the fact that these are the next leaders that God is going to equip, but we need to be the ones that are opening the door for them. So I think it's important that we consistently change. Uh, the message doesn't change. It's based in Scripture. These principles are forever going to be what they are, and they don't change. But our methods always need to change. We need to stay ahead of the curve so that we are attracting the next group and the next group. And even even older folks, you know, I mean, certain people think stewardship is um, only for people who are struggling. And the truth is, stewardship is so much bigger than that. And if we're not careful, we can make a stewardship ministry seem like it's all for the broken financially rather than it's for everybody. If you're a believer and you made a commitment to Christ, you are a steward. The only difference is whether you know whether you're a good steward, a bad steward, and whether you're doing the right things. And our job is to make sure that they understand that. So tell me some of the valuable things that you learned early on as a stewardship leader, and how did that shape the way you continued to develop the ministry? And then after that, jump into, you know, where are you guys right now? How are you ministering to people in your own church? Gotcha. All right. So the first thing that I learned was um, I used to try to do everything by myself. Uh, mm. These will sound crazy, but I just did try to do everything by myself or I had to do all the class, do it, do everything. Now it was getting a very solid team and coordinating mm. and, uh, and in doing that. And then I'll answer this with the, uh, and your second question is where are we now? And then what we're doing is I'm moving to on demand. Mm. Um, I've done so many seminars and we used to travel around and I'll, I'm going to use debt. So we have a class called do good G O O D. And mm. then that's simply get out of debt. Yeah. Um, it's good. I was, I was sharing with you before the call is that um, last night I went to a, a lounge, I had to speak, a cigar, a, a place that's hasn't, that is not inside of a church. Right. It was a cigar lounge. So you can't put out, I can't go through um, calculations or Excel sheets there. Yeah. I said, hey, what I said was, I said, quite simply, our church go, does a financial fast where you learn how to do principles based on a fast. Because a lot of, and then they, I said, who here knows about a fast? Said, oh, there's a Daniel fast. And then someone knew that, and they were talking mm -hmm. about that. But I said, but hey, if you guys want to learn how to get out, get out of debt, do is, hey, just click into some links, and I'll show you where you can watch and in doing that. So a lot of things that we're doing, we used to always do in person. But now what we're doing is we're doing um, videos, and we're, we're, we're shooting a lot of them that can be done. They can be kept so people can watch them whenever they would like. Yeah, that's, that's a great. lot more what we're doing. And one other thing is that we teach on every topic. In other words, we did something and now we're moving it on demand. It was called how to how to's and they were called how to Tuesday, where let's say the first week, let's say we would we'd show you um, how to get out of debt. Then the next week we would do a class on Zumba or something. That's, then the next week that we, we would do something about how to own a property. Then the next week we would do something on cooking. So you were teaching all attributes. So what we wanted is people would just come as they went. Now what we're going to do is we're actually starting to shoot those on. We're going to actually start shooting all of those on video so people can watch those at any time and then kind of meet on a quarterly or monthly basis or just, but those would be more fellowship where we can get to meet because people, there's also the, the challenge with just doing everything video is that people want to have some form of community as well. Yeah, so that's yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love what you're saying because I think there's almost a tidal wave uh, moving us in that direction. And if you're not careful, you're going to be swept over. And what I mean by that is 
if you don't consider how people receive information today, and if you think, if I just put on a five, six, seven, eight week class and they're going to come, well, you're going to find out that not everybody's going to come. You might have some older folks come. You might have a few younger people come. But for the most part, that longevity of having somebody stick it out for six, seven, eight weeks is going away because we want information more instantaneous. We want to process through things quickly. We want the information available at our time when we can engage in it. I love that you're considering and doing what you're doing because I think you're staying ahead of the curve and saying, hey, we know how people want the information and we know that they're not just going to come to a face-to-face -face class all the time. If that's the only way we offer it, we're going to miss out on a group of people that will never engage us that way. But I think you said something that's also very important, which is that you cannot take the relational component out of this. Knowledge on its own is good, but it cannot help every single person. Uh, I found out, George, that in many people that I would counsel one-on-one -on -one, is that they already had the knowledge, they already had the information, they knew what they were supposed to be doing, but they lacked the ability to do it. They needed somebody to walk with them hand-in-hand, -hand, answer those tough questions, uh, help them in those tough situations where they couldn't find an answer. And maybe the only thing that I could do is say, there is no quick answer. You just walk it out faithfully and God's going to be faithful to you. But sometimes, many times, that relational uh, component really, really matters. So you have to do everything you can to get the information out there, but you also have to keep the relational part of it available because people will engage that way. Why, why that's so critical, Leon, I'm going to use a sports, it's football season now, but the illustration is this, and I, play, and I played sports. In college, I, I played volleyball collegially and, 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 and doing this is that people ask me, how, they should ask me how I had three and 4% body fat, like very, very good shape. I said, well, I have a coach that's blowing a whistle for four hours a day and I lift weights <laughs> after practice. Yeah. And I know we got to play against UCLA, USA. I mean, you know, I, I knew who we had to play with. And then when you play on the internationally, it's another thing. That's why you keep that going. It's called accountability. Right. The minute I stopped God, and there was nobody blowing whistles and I knew I didn't have to play against somebody, yeah. then you don't, it just, it loses. So look how many books people read after they get out of college, after they get out of school. It's mm. it dropped dramatically. Yeah. So, and they don't have a coach or someone that's what, what you just said, walking along with them, but you're doing it both ways. This is, this is the beauty of what we do is the best coaches know how to talk to people. Like there are people that I come in and I have to yell, I have to motivate, I have to talk to them. Then there's people where I just cheer them on. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you know, the greatest joy as a, as a, as a stewardship and finance pastor is someone that we got on a budget and they either got their debt down to a level or they did this and they go over home we do a house blessing mm. the first thing we do in one of the houses they have that prosperity jar we always have people whenever you do the financial fast you go get a jar and you put all the money in when you ever do you you only buy what you need mm. so there's no eating out for that 21 days and you take all the money that you would usually spend on that yeah and what you do is you put it in that put in jar, the jar. Yeah. So if good. you're worshiping vending machines, you know how people worship vending machines, right? You put your <laughs> money and you bow down. Get yeah. So what happens is you take all that money, you start putting it in, in that jar. And that's how, and then you start getting in the habit of going, I don't really need that. Mm. And then it humbles you whenever you eat that you only buy what you need. Like you go, in other words, instead of going, like I'm going to travel next week to DC, I'm going to go to a grocery store, buy a meal and eat it right there in the grocery store. When you sit in that grocery store and you should, and just, you know, it just brings a level of humility and understanding how blessed you are. Then you pray for you, like you're praying over that meal. Mm -hmm. Cause your next one, cause then that's how, cause God keeps providing for you. 
Right. So it moves you to that position. And then what happens is they take that money and they start saving that and utilizing that to purchase a home and going over in their home and praying for them. That's the joy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So you guys are using obviously different ways of reaching your congregation and also talking about stewardship, not just from the financial standpoint, but really you said you focus on the time, talent and the treasure. And that, that's really important because stewardship is so much more than money, obviously. Uh, I think many churches start out, I know we did this when I was working at Gateway as a stewardship pastor, that we started with just a financial because that was the pain point, right? So what's going to get people in the door? Well, the, the thing that they care most about is getting out of debt, getting the finances in order, being able to communicate about finances without arguing with your spouse. Those are the kind of things that were primary uh, as a ministry. That's what we were trying to equip people with that knowledge and that ability to succeed in that area. But then over time, we realized there's so much more. Uh, and I mean, we always knew this, but we couldn't start with, hey, here's three different focuses, time, talent, and treasure. We're going to teach you everything in the next 52 weeks. <laughs> you know, we just couldn't approach it that way. But I think it's important to take the stewardship message and go a little bit higher up. Don't get granular too quickly, but look at it from the perspective of how do we impact our culture? Yeah, you might start by teaching financial classes, but eventually those principles that help people with their finances also apply to how they manage their time, how they manage their gifting, whether they're fulfilling or pursuing their purpose. And so much of that, to me, that's what stewardship is. It's looking at your time, talent, and, and treasure as a whole. That's who you are. You, as a steward, you do more than just manage money. Money is just a tool that you use to actually emphasize and do the other things. Use time well so that you're serving people and make sure that you're using your talents and your abilities that God has given you and your skill and everything that you've built up to serve other people. It's, it's about fulfilling that purpose of loving God, but also loving others. And for me, that's what I love about what you just said about how you guys look at your ministry. It's not just a financial ministry. It's not just fundraising. It's not just teaching on budget or getting out of debt. It's about whole life stewardship. And that's important. Finances are important, but so is everything else. Right. And what you're saying is so true. And, and, the, and about and what you said earlier is, is so true when you said, um, you know, getting someone over all these weeks and everything, 52 weeks is a lot. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. our model is 40 weeks, but this is the thing we leverage technology. Yeah. So in other words, now you can give it to them on demand. Like the courses are online courses, yeah, just like universities do and in doing it. But actually Netflix, you know, that, that whole term, right? Is that people binge watch. There's someone that may get a class. They may watch three or four over a weekend. Right. So they can start going and then we can keep doing check-ins with them. And that's how that whole process works, where we start to do that, where we can check in with them and then find out what they want and just give it to them. Because mm -hmm. we want to live a whole, see, God wants us to live a whole balanced life. Mm -hmm. You know, we, if we fix the fights, we actually have to work on your health too. Third John 2 says, beloved, 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 mm -hmm. I pray that you'll prosper mm -hmm. in health, even as your soul prospers. There's right. three, so when it says prosperity, it's not, that's not about money. Mm -hmm. It's about having a good journey in your life. Right. You can't have a good, it's better to have a good journey if you're, if you're healthy. It's better to have a good journey. When I say healthy, healthy in relationships, mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. If you're healthy in all your avenues, then the second is be in health. That means your body. That's what we do in class like that. And then you want your soul to prosper. Mm. That means that's what we're doing. That's what we do every Sunday. We want people to one, 
be saved, but then also you want people to continue to grow, draw closer yeah. to God and, yeah. and to continue to grow and mature. And that's why we want to make sure we're doing all three for their benefit. Mm. And, and last thing about that, in 2008, we, we thought we were going to do just finances, but in 2008, when there was a housing, the housing crash, that's mm -hmm. when we really found out we had to do health or other things because if people are just focusing on how, how bad their current situation is, they couldn't make a change. And then the people that were doing fine were, were doing good. They look, look at all the people that needed help and they want to be able to help. So we had to find a balanced way to help everybody. And we all go, we all rise together. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm glad that you guys are really paying attention to what's actually happening and then not reacting, but purposefully going after trying to answer the the struggles and the questions that people have as part of the discipleship process. And I think that's really, really uh, wise to do it that way. So George, you had obviously a pastor that understood stewardship. I know Pastor Ken has written several books on stewardship. I've read a couple of them. And so I know he gets it. He understands this topic very intimately. So you had a pastor who gets it. <laughs> Talk to the, the stewardship leader out there who may be struggling to get their pastor to even understand that this is important, how would you encourage them? What would you say they could do um, to encourage their pastor, maybe even lead them to maybe gain some of the information or some of the knowledge that they need to have in order to emphasize this area and open that door for this ministry to be built and run in, into their church? Good. That's a great question. Um, and quite simply, the first thing I would, I would suggest for you is to start a stewardship ministry. In other words, start one, don't just continue to wait, like start and then gather the information. And there's a lot of information that uh, we should, we'll go over a little bit later. I, I like for us to talk about, you know, stewardship impact and different things so that they understand that. And then if they start a class and they start things going and then they start to get testimonies of people and doing things, and then you just keep checking in with the senior pastor, but then also you want to have uh, the whole leadership involved, the senior pastor, and then if there's a children's church, and there's, you know, all the way through. So you want to start finding and then getting advocates, other people to begin to help. So you begin to um, work on the culture and, and work on that because that is key. That's probably one of the biggest areas you work on. So you start by having that and then you just start talking to the senior pastor. And you, and you do that, but you always keep the the, line, the, the open lines communication. And then I, I always do this too. Find out what the senior pastor is passionate about. Is it missions? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever they're most passionate about, more than likely will involve needing to raise some form of money or certain things. Right. People That's need right. to be good stewards. If they say, we want to build, you know, we get people water and apple. We want to do this. That. Great. Now let's see how we're going to do that. So if you find out what the what the mission is of your church, what and all that, and then find out what role stewardship pay, plays in that, mm. and then that's the that's the avenue I take. So again, I would find out the avenue, the mission of the church, and find out where the pastor's heart is and what he'd like to do, and then you want to start and then begin to get advocates. That's that's good. That's good. It's about really coming alongside with what the vision of that church already is not coming in with an issue or a problem. I think most leaders don't want a problem necessarily, um, but if there is a problem, they want to know about it, but they also want a solution. So what you're saying is think think this through. Think about approaching your pastor and finding out what their passion is, what that open door would be for you to be able to have influence 
But also, you said something really important. Uh, make sure that you talk to the other departments, the other leaders of other areas of the church, because that is a important part of building that consensus that this is a cultural thing, not just a siloed ministry. And I think that's a, that's really wise to, to approach it that way, because you really do need to get leadership on board. If the leadership doesn't get it, whatever efforts you have, they're going to be short-lived, because if it's not cultural, it's just not going to be consistent uh, and push forward as a, as a ministry in the church. All right, so you alluded to this about CSN and what we do and, and the SI workshop. So let's dive into that. How has that impacted you personally and the ministry uh, at your church? Uh, I know you've been part of CSN for a long time. Talk to that stewardship leader who may be sitting on the sidelines wondering, what's my next step? How do I actually get involved? How do I learn about this more so that I feel more confident standing before that senior leader and letting them know what we could do? Where would you guide them to go? What would you guide them to do? So the first thing is you want to go to the conference that we have. But at, at our conference, right before the conference starts, there's something called stewardship impact. And I think that is just critical to a anyone who's starting a ministry or it's under three years old. One of the things that's important about stewardship impact is it is literally a blueprint. I have to repeat again, a blueprint on how you want to start a ministry, how you grow a ministry, what you look for in ministry, and it guides you. So like there's a there's something where um, a guy by the name of David, Dave Briggs is one of the instructors of this. And he did a seminar series earlier doing CSN called Epic Fails, Things That You Tried That Didn't Work. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, I didn't really like that very much. But then I looked at it and I go, you know what? There were two things I was going to try. And I said, oh, I see why. Then they told you, well, when you do this or you go like that, it's almost like when you're driving a car, they're saying, don't get off the road and go up in these hills. You'll hit a no trespassing sign, have to turn around and go all the way back. Yeah. And then they went through all of the different things and they'll show you. They'll show you how to do it and then even tell you some things that, hey, if you're even doing that, and then you can bounce ideas off of them during stewardship impact, but also mainly during the conference. But I think the best start is is do stewardship impact. Um, I've actually uh, go to that actually every year. So I've been to that over 12 times mm. and I still learn things and I've, and, and, and I've, and it's been very beneficial. They've even done it out here in, in Los Angeles and uh, I'll just say Los Angeles. He's in Orange County at Saddleback, Chris Gillard. And I've driven my leaders down there and we spent the day down at Saddleback and also in learning. So that is very good for someone starting. Yeah, and that's then the awesome. other, yeah. And the other part is the conference. That is the one time of year when you can come together and then you, you're in the room, you kind of look around and say, there's other people like me. Mm-hmm. You find the passion and, and the joy that people have from teaching stewardship, but also they're showing you, um, it's one thing to show you how to do it. You see all this now where someone says, are you mentoring this person? Are you doing that? But also there's another term which I, I, I would like to use and that's modeling you can see how they built their models and then you can actually see them do it and then see how you can implement it and then keep the relationships going. There's a lot of things that, um, that I've learned from people uh, from the presentations there. And then I followed up and then I've used, I've utilized that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's been such a benefit to me early on since 2007, when I started attending the forum, it has really been, a lifeline. And that's what we want to communicate to our listeners, especially if you've not gone to the CSN forum or this SI workshop. Uh, 
it is really a, a great starting point. And like George said, even if you're already in the ministry for several years, this would be a good place to come and calibrate to see, you know, is there something I could do better? Is there answers to some of the questions? What I find very interesting is that we all have a path that we begin to walk. George, you mentioned at the beginning that you thought you were the only guy. So you started with, I'm just going to do some classes. I'm going to start answering some of these questions that people have and start educating and discipling in this area. And yet there were other pastors trying to figure out the same thing and in different places in the country and even throughout the world. So what's interesting to me is that there's a lot of similarities in this path that we take, right? We're all trying to accomplish the same thing. Disciple our people in the area of personal finances and stewardship. So guess what? There's people that are ahead of you in this. They've done it before. Uh, they've, they've, like you said, George, they've ran into dead ends and had to turn around and try something different. And this is a place that you can go to really benefit from those years of experience and look at the different ways that people are doing things and look at the new ways that we're, the challenges that we have in the stewardship industry and how to solve those problems. And part of what we're going to do at this next forum in 2020, in literally less than two months, is that we're going to have more of a conversation. This is about bringing your questions so that you have more time to really connect with leaders that are peers like you trying to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish. So part of our desire at the forum is to do that, to help you have that ability to engage with other leaders so that you're getting your questions answered. And it's going to be a huge focus for the forum this year is that conversational uh, piece so that you are getting your questions answered. Well, George, I just want to thank you for, uh, again, taking the time to be with us today, for sharing both your experience, but also your journey on how you got into this ministry, where you guys are today, and the benefits that you're continuing to, to put out there for all the people that are connected to your church and beyond your church. You're doing other things outside of your church. I know that. So thank you for your faithfulness to serve in this ministry. And again, just thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Leo, it's an absolute honor to come. I have learned so much from the Christian Stewardship Network. I've learned so much from you personally. And I think that there are so many people, not only in the United States, but all over the world that need help. And need to, we need to spread the gospel of the good news about what God has for people. We don't want to have them to have financial hurdles or in these areas. And it is an honor to serve. And I look forward to us having more conversations. Mm, we give good. God all the glory. Yeah. Thank you, George. As always, appreciate you. And I'll see you in a couple months. And we also hope to see you at the CSN Forum coming up in March, March 2nd to the 4th in Louisville, Kentucky. This is going to be an incredible event, especially if you add on the Stewardship Workshop, which is on March 2nd. It starts at 10 a.m. and goes to 5 p.m. And then the Forum starts that evening. And I really encourage you to come to this workshop. This workshop is going to be absolutely foundational for building your stewardship ministry. And there's so much more content and resources and sponsors and so much great things that we're going to have at this event that's going to equip you in taking your stewardship ministry to the next level. So please join us. You can go to our website at christianstewardshipnetwork.com under live events, and you'll see a link there where you can register. We'd also appreciate it if you would share this podcast. And also, if you enjoyed it, please rate it. Just give us some comment. Let us know how we're doing. Rate this podcast and share it with others so that it will have a better uh, ability to reach more people. That's really what that rating is all about, is the ranking that's going to help other people become aware that this podcast, this resource is out there. So please share it, rate it, and review it. We'd love for you to do that. 
Well, again, thank you for joining us for this episode. Until next time, remember, God has called you to be the best steward you can be. So be that faithful steward, but don't stop there. Teach others to do the same.